Hi, this is filmmaker and author Michael Morin. Whenever I'm not riding my bike around the Davis campus, I'm listening to KDVS College Radio right here. FM. Cool. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We, uh, we had a rather, rather heavy topic on last week's show, that of mad cow disease, so I thought we would lean the other way a bit on today's program and try and make it a little more lighthearted than average, at least average for Radio Parallax. We would like some feedback on that particular program. We put a lot of extra energy into it. So please uh, let us know what you thought at info at radioparallax.com. We will choose among the best entries for a free coupon at the Black Angus restaurant for a big, thick, juicy T-bone steak. And yes, I am kidding. I should add that in the ramp up to that program, I uh, I had really bad thoughts about eating beef, and this is uh, not just motivated by prion diseases, but by the way we put uh, so many antibiotics in the animal feed, by the way that the animals are treated, by the way that grain is being uh, raised in, you know, in such a way through subsidy that it costs less to feed it to the animals than it does to raise it. All reasons to think about reconsidering red meat. But after listening to our, our own program and what the guests had to say, I've decided that it's, uh, you know, for the time being, it's, it's probably okay, at least in terms of the issue of bovine spongiform encephalopathy. But uh, it is an important issue. We need to come back to it and examine it a little more fully. We're planning to do that sometime in May. Let's do a bit of news roundup on today's program. On this date, March 17th in 1846, the German astronomer Friedrich Bessel passed away. Bessel was the first to measure the distance to a star other than the sun. He did this in 1838. We told this, uh, this actual story on the program a few years back because, of course, the method used to determine the distance to a, uh, one of the more nearby stars was that of parallax. Measuring the star's position first when the Earth was on one side of the sun and then six months later when it was on the other, using the Earth's orbit as a baseline. I believe the star was 61 Cygni, which turned out to be something like 11 light years away. I may be wrong on that. But uh, Alpha Centauri, 61 Cygni, and I think Vega were the three that were being looked at, thought to possibly be close. Alpha Centauri turned out to be, indeed, the closest star to the sun at 4.3 light years, a record which um, still stands. On this date in 1901, the late artist Vincent van Gogh finally gets the recognition he deserves when the Bernheim June Gallery in Paris hangs 71 of his paintings and causes a sensation across the art world. On this date in 1973, American naval pilot John McCain, later a U.S. Senator, was released from a North Vietnamese prisoner of war camp after serving more than five years in captivity. McCain actually is not well known, um, was the son of the Pacific commander of the Navy, and when it was found out by the North Vietnamese they had a very big wig uh, type prisoner on their hands, 
They offered to trade him for uh, quite a bit. Uh, McCain said, no deal. I'm going to stay here like everybody else. And that's what he did for five years. Quite a contrast from certain other Republican prominent candidates for the presidency who pretty much went AWOL on their National Guard duty. But we'll give that one a rest today. Let's do a few statistics. Let's see. Total spending of political ads during the 2004 election, according to Ad Age, $1.6 billion. Number of murders committed in the United States in 2003 per the FBI, 16,503. Uh, here's a surprise. Annual spending on romance novels, according to Forbes magazine, $1.4 billion. That's almost as much as they spent on political ads. <laughs> Uh, average daily circulation in the New York Times, according to ABC News, 1.1 million. Same source, average daily circulation of USA Today, 2.3 million. And according to Newsday, as cited in the week on February 11th, the $152.6 billion that Congress had thus far authorized for the war in Iraq is enough to fund the Department of Homeland Security for more than three years provide a year's worth of health care for 34 million people, or build 17,857 new elementary schools. We always love the Week magazine's Good Week 4, Bad Week 4. March 11th, Good Week 4, Growing Up. It said when Glenn Matlock of the foul-mouthed 70s punk band The Sex Pistols declared, bad language is one of the curses of modern civilization. It's pathetic, when people just swear for the sake of it, said Matlock, now 48. Damn, I think he's right. It was listed as a bad week for Russian weathermen. After the mayor of Moscow proposed finding the city's weather bureau every time it got a forecast wrong. We would like to receive a quality product, Mayor Yuri Luzhnov told meteorologists. Instead, you are giving us crap. And from the gossip file, a mob of ultra-Orthodox Jews chased Natalie Portman from the Western Wall in Jerusalem after they spotted the Israeli-born actress kissing her co-star for a movie scene. Both acting and romantic interactions are forbidden at the Wall, said the rabbi in charge of Judaism's holiest site. The crowd disrupted the shoot, chanting, Immoral! Immoral! And uh, we don't often quote from Walter Scott's Personality Parade, which, of course, appears in your Sunday newspaper supplement parade um, every Sunday. But we like this one. Question. Why did George W. Bush dump Brent Scowcroft as chairman of the Foreign Intelligence Advisory Board? Asked Mark from Nashville, Tennessee. Answer. Because the retired General Scowcroft, 79, who earlier served as the first President Bush's national security advisor, publicly criticized the second President Bush's decision to go to war in Iraq. For that, the White House has never forgiven him. I guess you've got to be on the bus or, uh, or you're off the bus. And uh, we should note that we are, we're going to at some point get around to our Hunter S. Thompson tribute in the weeks to come. Uh, but in the comic strip Doonesbury, uh, Gary Trudeau, who has modeled Uncle Duke very much after Hunter S. Thompson, uh, saw fit to pay tribute to him in, uh, in all of the panels that appeared in last week's comic. If you'd like to inspect some of those, you can get them either from the Doonesbury website or go on to slate.com on, uh, on MSN. 
When I was a student uh, here at this university back, uh, gosh, in the 1970s, Hunter S. Thompson appeared uh, just on the floor above where I'm, I'm speaking to you from right now, above the studio at Freeborn Hall. And um, knowing his reputation, someone had thoughtfully placed a beer up on the podium for him. But he walked up, took a look at the beer, took a look at the fact that it was a Coors, and tossed it in the wastebasket saying, Nazi beer. Someone asked him what it was like having a cartoon character in Doonesbury being patterned after him, and he just said, weird, very weird. Well, although the master of gonzo journalism uh, is, is no longer with us, uh, I do take some comfort in knowing that uh, the character he spawned, Uncle Duke, will, uh, will live on and, uh, and continue to entertain us. Now, baseball season is, uh, is not far off. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, steroids and baseball and, and the rest of sports here probably two or three weeks from today. I don't know whether you noticed, though, the new steroid rules for baseball that shows they're really getting serious about cracking down. I note that, um, and maybe you did note, that the, the first positive test for steroids in, in Major League Baseball will now result in a suspension of up to 10 days, whereas a second strike may earn you a 30-day ban. A third strike, and you may, be, <laughs> you may receive a 60-day penalty. Boy, these are stiff. If, a, if you have a fourth strike, fourth positive test, you could get a one-year ban. And if you get five strikes on you, they may consider banning you from baseball for good. Boy, I'm sure people are sweating that one out. Under the, under the previous agreement they had with a fifth positive test, a player was subject to a one-year ban. Well, now he could be banned for life if he flunks five consecutive anabolic steroid tests. No word yet on whether you will at that point become ineligible to become governor of California. Anybody notice the story where, uh, where actual people on the terrorist list were found able to buy firearms in America? They were able to buy firearms unless they were ruled crazy or what was it? They were like, it was some of the things. Whether they had committed a felony or whether they were judged crazy. Something like 40 out of 50 were able to go out and buy handguns. In fact, the Al-Qaeda handbook that was found in Afghanistan urged members who were in the United States to take advantage of our liberal weapons policy and by all means, buy a few. This uh, segues into John R. Bolton, longtime UN critic, who in 2001 vociferously opposed the UN efforts to rein in international illicit arms trade because it might infringe on the right of Americans to bear arms. Oh yeah, John R. Bolton is the Bush administration's choice to become the new ambassador to the United Nations. <laughs> Although it's noted that in a July 9th 2001 press conference at the UN, one of the questioners directed at Bolton by a reporter began, we always called you in your previous job when we were looking for critics of the United Nations. An article for the U.S. Information Agency in 5297 entitled America's Skepticism About the United Nations, he advocated that the United Nations has a limited role to play in international affairs for the foreseeable future. And he was one of the signers of the January 26, 1998 open letter to President Clinton from the Project for a New American Century, calling for Clinton to invade Iraq and urge the U.S. not to be, quote, crippled by a misguided insistence on unanimity in the U.N. Security Council, unquote. In a 1994 panel discussion by the World Federalist Association, Bolton said, there's no such thing as the United Nations. If the U.N. Secretary Building in New York lost 10 stories, 
it wouldn't make a bit of difference. The Bush administration's pick to become the new United Nations ambassador, I'm sure, guaranteed to curry favor with leaders all around the world. The Bush administration has appointed various people now, realizing they do have a bit of a PR problem in the rest of the world to see what they can do to shore things up. Stay tuned to that story. I'm not sure the uh, the appointment of uh, Ambassador Bolton is going to help matters. Although I do remember, back in one of the other low points of the history of the UN, it was considered a hardship post during the Nixon administration. Nixon went to one of his go-to guys, a guy who would later serve as Republican National Committee ahead during Watergate, a man who was later to be appointed by Gerald Ford as CIA head. Uh, At that point in 1970, George Herbert Walker Bush was named United Nations Ambassador by President Nixon, a post he served in for, I believe, over a year. So uh, perhaps we'll hear more of Mr. Bolton in the future. Maybe it's a stepping stone to bigger and better things. And in the gun-happy state of Texas, apparently John Lockwood, proprietor of the online hunting site LiveShot.com, apparently went even a little bit too far for folks in the Lone Star State when he was offering a service whereby with the click of a mouse, you could draw a bead on and pull the trigger of, by remote control, a hunting rifle which would bag some game on the Lockwood Ranch. Evidently to please humanitarians, Lockwood was standing by with his own rifle in case one of his online hunting customers wounds an animal but didn't kill it. He was quoted in the Sacramento Bee per Night Ritter newspapers as saying, He's having some trouble understanding the complaints of critics. I really enjoy it when Mr. McMillan can perk up the broadcast with some fine selections of music. And uh, we noticed that Martha Stewart was released from prison uh, a few weeks back, and I know we've got some perfect music for that. Rather distressing uh, bit of news sent to us by uh, by Lisa Pease from Los Angeles. Uh, it's come to our attention that Los Angeles County Registrar of Voters Connie McCormick is planning, as of today, to mount an assault on California's mandated voter verified paper audit system down in the registrar's office in L.A. She's planning to exploit a grandfather clause in the regulation asking lawmakers to pass legislation that would override the law requiring a paper trail and to certify 2004 voting systems for use in the 2006 election. Yeah, we we know there's something going on there. And how about the fact that uh, the same people that were in PNAC, Project for a New American Century, a lot of those same signees to that famous 1998 letter, have written another letter, which unfortunately I couldn't place my hands on for this broadcast, but it's uh, suggesting that our armed forces deserve the best and reservists are not meant to be stuck over in Iraq forever, so that Congress needs to do what's necessary. And if you suspect that means the bringing back of a draft, I suspect you're right. Right. 
All right, final item for this segment. I want to thank whoever it is that brings down the national edition of The Onion to uh, to the studio. But uh, I snagged the <laughs> February 16th issue for the following article, which I think I should share with you. From The Onion. Woman begins to regret dating someone spontaneous. Dateline, Auburn, California. After four months of romantic involvement, Wells Fargo mortgage lending assistant Heidi Bird said Monday she is beginning to regret getting into a relationship with the carefree Jason Maddox. Jason was everything I wanted in a boyfriend as recently as three months ago, Bird said. I used to dream of meeting someone who knew how to have fun and didn't let himself get weighed down by formalities and obligations. But my dreams never had the part where that person doesn't call for a week, then drops by at 3 a.m. with a broken mannequin torso under his arm. Bird said she was swept off her feet by the 30-year-old last August when she met in a local park. A part-time bicycle shop employee and occasional street musician, Maddox was straight out of a romantic Hollywood movie, said Bird. I was walking my dog when I heard someone call out to me from above. I looked up and saw Jason sitting on a tree branch. He told me he once had a dog like Shadow. He asked me to come on up and see the view. I don't usually do stuff like that. But he was so cute and intriguing that I tied Shadow to a bench and joined him up on the branch. We sat there for about two hours eating golden raisins and reading jokes from this kid's joke book he had fished from the trash. It seemed magical at the time. Although she gave him her phone number, Bird didn't hear from Maddox until two weeks later when he showed up at her office, thrust a bouquet of daisies into her hands, and began to serenade her on the ukulele. My co-workers stared at him like he was nuts, but no one had ever done something like that for me before, and I just melted. When she showed Maddox out of the building, the two kissed, commencing what Bird described as a whirlwind love affair. But in spite of the good times she shared with him, Bird said Maddox's self-centered approach to romance has gotten a little old. She had hoped to accompany him on one of his spur-of-the-moment car trips, but after getting lost on the way to Mono Lake with Maddox in November, Bird said she resolved never to travel with Jason again. While Bird has no immediate plans to break up with Maddox, she said that she sometimes fantasizes about what it would be like to date someone less whimsical. I still like Jason a lot, Bird said, but I swear, the next time he starts to juggle, it's over. Jason Maddox was unavailable for comment as he was assembling a Cupid costume out of a bedsheet and applying to film school in Poland. All right, on that note, we should point out that you're listening to KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. I'm Douglas Everett, and this is Radio Parallax. Stay tuned. we got lots more to share with you.